Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. I tell my clients that the single most important word for them to remember while they're engaging in marketing is commitment. It means that they are taking the marketing job seriously. They're not playing around, not expecting miracles. And that's a quote by Jay Conrad Levinson, who years ago wrote a book called Guerrilla Marketing. And in searching for quotes, I discovered that he must have an update on that because in some of the quotes, it mentions uh, social media. So you might want to check out Guerrilla Marketing. Um, so welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. I'm super excited to have you listening again. And we have a great guest, somebody new for me to discover and learn from and share with you. So I'm excited about introducing Allie Elliott. But before I do, I want to announce that I'm going to be doing some episodes that are live coaching. So if you are interested in being one of my guests and you are a portrait or a wedding photographer, whether you've been in business 40 years or four days, but you're building and have questions on marketing or sales or things like that, send me an email and I'll have an application for you to apply. And it's something new that I want to see how it goes so people can get their questions answered and you can get some valuable info as well. Uh, so Allie Elliott, my guest today, has been a professional photographer since 2007. She's a PPA master photographer and also has her CPP with PPA. That's a lot of <laughs> letters. And she's a certified master with the National Association of Professional Child Photographers. She has a gorgeous little studio on the Bloomington, Indiana town square and focuses portrait work on maternity, newborns, and family. She also educates. She speaks to various groups and is an exhibiting artist. And she and her husband of 17 years have six children. Yes, six. And I'm going to ask her some questions today about how the heck you have a successful business with six kids. So that being said, I would love to warmly welcome my guest, Allie Elliott. Hi, Allie. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have you. So Allie, before I start asking you some questions that I have for you, I'd love to know a little bit about how you got started as a children's photographer. Well, um, I was a fine arts major in college, so it was something that was kind of always on my radar. It was something that I was interested in. I had worked commercially in photography in the advertising arena, but um, what really kicked us into high gear was when my daughter passed away in 2007, I wanted something that I could focus on, something that I could pour myself into, and that became the studio, that became the new business that we had talked about. So it wasn't completely rash decision or anything like that, but that felt like the right time to move in the direction of building something for my living children and in honor of our daughter that had passed away. So in 2007, that's when we really went all in on the studio. Wow. So as a you know, I call myself every kid's aunt Lucy. Of course, mm -hmm. my heart just breaks hearing hearing that. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I love that you decided 
out of that was going to be something spectacular that served other people um, because children are are changing right in front of our eyes. And absolutely. Um, so I imagine more than most people, you understand the value of having beautiful photographs of people that you love. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's still a driving force in the studio and in my exhibiting work as well. Um, and very much a part of our family life, you know, as much as our living children in every mm-hmm. way. So in, in what way or how is she the, a driving force? Um, she keeps me grounded in recognizing that we're not promised tomorrow and we only have right now to be able to preserve this time with our, our living children are changing so fast and we have right now. And I want to preserve that and tell the story of right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wrapped up an exhibition project after four years that is Bereaved Siblings Project um, called Hereife that uh, debuted in August at a gallery here in town. And it is depicting living children representing their siblings who have passed on. And the siblings who have passed are built in reflections of their living sibling. So in that way, we're very much carrying her tangibly with us. And I'm able to share that with other bereaved families. And, you know, every exhibition that you do as an artist builds your studio work Mm -hmm. and a variety of ways. So it's really cool to have it all come full circle. I loved how you uh, turned something into a blessing that was, of course, less than a blessing. Um, You you know, it's like hard to even say what's in my heart, um, both for your loss and then also just how you're uh, continuing to have her present with you and impact other people's lives in ways that, that they may not even know some of the deep reasons why you do what you do, but it contributes to people's lives significantly. That's what I feel. Thank you. Yeah. We were, we were lucky to have had her at all. Yeah. Do you have a beautiful or a bunch of beautiful photographs of her? We have, we do. We have, um, not a bunch, I wouldn't say, but what's enough? Are there, yeah. you know, can you ever have enough photos? Definitely not. Um, but we definitely have some. And I've done some paintings of her. Um, in college, I focused on painting. And I feel like that training carries over into my portrait work very often, heavily. So um, the two have kind of crisscrossed in that way, too. Mm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, so my great niece just had a little baby boy and I was there to cut the cord. I was her helper person and it's killing me not to be there, not just watching him grow up, but photographing (laughs) every minute. My sister sends me some pictures and hope she doesn't hear this, but I kind (laughs) of yesterday was like, for gosh sakes, Chris, would you try to do better and use a better camera? (laughs) <laughs> for the pictures you're showing get down on a lower angle get on <laughs> and he's only two months two and a half months old and it it just all changes so fast that yeah the last time I saw him he was this tiny cuddler on my shoulder and when I see him in a few weeks or a month he'll be strong and he'll be pushing oh, away yeah. And so yeah yeah get yeah. nice and chubby yeah yes yeah, <laughs> what we want uh-huh. Chubby babies, chubby yes. babies. Sometimes I don't know about you, but when I'm photographing some babies that have that little chub, I really <laughs> want to bite them. But 
<laughs> and I know it'll hurt them. Do you know what I mean? You, you just, they're little fleshy too. You just want to squeeze, but it will hurt them. So I don't. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I love that when, when you do the little, the newborns on, when they're all curled up, the little squishy newborn pose that's ever popular right now. And they get that little underarm squish. Uh-huh. That is the most precious part of a baby. And they can pull, they pull it off great. <laughs> Yeah, it's not yeah. as cute in your thirties. <laughs> no, I, know. I know that that Michelin man look sometimes when they're all roly poly. Yeah, not as good later, but but love it now. All right, so um, on with my actual questions. So one of the things I know is that you love to do and share about unconventional marketing. Can you tell me what that is? Let's talk about that a little. Well, it's funny you mentioned guerrilla marketing because that's, it's actually interchangeable verbiage for that. It's just marketing out of the box. It's something different than you're used to. So we all have this foundational marketing as business owners, the stuff that you feel like you have to do, the stuff that is laying the foundation for people to meet your brand and be introduced to you. The unconventional marketing is the stuff that really sets you apart. You've heard of the, um, the seven times rule where a consumer has to see your brand seven times before they're ready to uh, commit to you or to trust you. And unconventional marketing helps you skip a few of those. Mm. So it takes your seven times and turns it into four. If you have really impactful marketing that they've never seen before, that can create an instant connection. And it allows you to skip a few of those levels. So I would love for you to share uh, three or four specific ones if you... Okay. The cool thing about unconventional marketing is that it is completely fluid. It's always changing. So when you have one that connects, that works, it's all of a sudden no longer unconventional. Then it becomes a part of your foundational marketing. So the fun part of this, I think it's fun. I know a lot of people don't think marketing is fun, but um, the fun part is that it's always changing. And social media has allowed us this opportunity to have um, a whole new layer of connection with our client base and also potential clients. So um, we can build Instagram spots because it's a visual platform. And depending on what your niche is, I am, as you mentioned, uh, maternity, newborn, family photographer. So I'm 38 and I'm kind of getting further away from the demographic that I'm looking to reach. I used to be peers with that group and now I'm kind of aging out of that. So I have to connect with a group that's younger than me. They are on Instagram. So I just joined Instagram over quarantine. That was one of the silver linings. (laughs) I uh, I don't know that learning a new social media platform is a silver lining, but from a marketing standpoint, it definitely is. Yeah. So when you say Instagram spots, so how do you uh, use that um, as marketing? So if you have a physical location, it makes it a little bit easier. I have a little studio on the town square. Um, I'm in my ninth year there and um, you can get floor mats. They're they're everywhere right now because people want to do the social distance marking, the little, uh, you know, squares or circles that you can put on the sidewalk or on the hallway, but you can get those with photographs. So if you get one that is perhaps, you know, looking down a canyon 
or looking down a building on a city block and they can come and take a picture with their feet and they're, they're going to tag you and it's going to give them something cool to post and they're going to do your marketing for you because they're going to seek you out because it's something different for them. So, so, so an Instagram spot is an actual location. It's an actual location and oh. it can bring them to you and they are going to tag you and if you continue to change it out, they're going to be seeking you out as a place to go have something new for their own, because that's really social marketing. It's kind of marketing your personal life. It's a mm -hmm. bizarre, you know, kind of thing that didn't exist when, you know, 20 years ago. So if you don't have a storefront, where do you create an Instagram spot and who, who makes those? So formats? if you don't have a physical location, this is a fantastic opportunity to do some business to business marketing, find a place that works with your brand. You could find any, and anything works. You could find an ice cream shop or a children's boutique or a wedding dress shop, you know, there are almost any business would be a good match because you can't, they're not going to see your brand too many times. So talk to them about what's a mutually beneficial image that you can create. You could even possibly split the cost and put it in their spot, but have your logo down there, have a QR code on it for them to scan and tag your business, even without a physical location. So people who are in these youngins, <laughs> <laughs> when you said, I'm 38, I'm aging out. I didn't actually start, not aging out, but uh, not in the demographic. Sure. And I didn't start focusing on children's photography till I was um, maybe 40, 32, 42. Yeah, about uh -huh. 42 or so. Um, but it was a different world. Of course, there was no yeah. Instagram and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so in the world of Instagram, uh, the People that are active know that there's spots around. Do they look for them? Do they well, you find them on your Instagram? That buzz, you can get that ball rolling. Um, so it's funny. I got this idea for this kind of campaign. Um, I live in a town. We have eighty thousand people in our town, but fifty thousand of them are college students. IU um, Indiana University is here in my town. Uh -huh. So those are vastly not my demographic, not who I'm after. However, I had um, a sorority come to me and want my, I have a logo that's a hot pink bird in a circle and they wanted to use my bird as part of their scavenger hunt. So every year I'll get two or 300 sorority girls huh. that are coming to my studio and tagging themselves with my bird. And that has turned out to be a really awesome marketing um, <laughs> kind of hidden gem. Every now and then I will get some of those sorority girls coming back years later with their newborn or for maternity pictures, just remembering that little snippet in time where they came and tagged my business with the pink bird. Anything that's <laughs> memorable is a fantastic marketing. Isn't that bizarre? I'd yeah. love to think that I, um, you know, planned that, <laughs> but it has turned into a lot more. I make sure now every year that I'm part of that scavenger hunt because it has, um, it's played the long game for marketing. And that's the biggest error that I see in marketing is giving up too soon. You try something and you don't see immediate results. So you abandon it where really it's going to take stacks and stacks and stacks of layers. Right. I, I was thinking about, I'm glad you said that. Um, I said to somebody that I think selling for me is like 
um, the blues, not because it makes you sad, but I'll explain. And, <laughs> and marketing is more like jazz. It, can you, can you imagine what I mean by that? A little bit, a little bit. So I'm curious to hear the, so the blues has a designated format. Uh, I took uh, improv for a while and uh, one series of classes I did was musical improv. And I learned that there's a formula where you say something, you say it again, and then you resolve it. So like, I'm not going to sing, but I'm, I'm here <laughs> having a conversation with Allie. Oh, I'm here chatting with Allie and it's going to be a really great show. So it's a formula. Uh-huh. Selling to me is a formula. We do this on the phone. We do this at the consultation. We do this during the session. So we plant more seeds for purchase and have more to the right things to sell. And then what we do systematically in the sales room. Marketing is like jazz is like, it, it's more improv. It's more all over the place. You know, uh -huh. you're, you're kind of winging it as you go along. You've got a core. Um, I don't know, melody, <laughs> I guess. Uh-huh. And in marketing, it, it is it is more organic and it's more experimental. And then you find what works and you keep repeating that, but you're always looking for other ways to um round it out or be more effective. Does that make sense? Yes, it, absolutely. I like that. Yeah. I and like I, that a lot. As a business coach, I discovered that my superpower is sales and I have a formula that I teach. And I've always felt a little bit like, well, how can I help people with marketing um, too? And when I started to discover that it's a, a deep, rich topic and it's ever changing, what you just said, you know, you try things and you go deeper and you stay open to um, opportunities like your, your sorority and the pink birds and, mm -hmm. and use them, you know, that it's, and it and that it can be fun mm -hmm. and that marketing in ways we don't enjoy in my opinion we're not going to be that successful because our energy won't be uh kind of bright and shiny as we're doing those do you know what i mean by that absolutely absolutely it's kind of like if you have products that you're trying to sell but like but you don't love them you're you're not in love with them if you don't love them you're not going to be able to convince anybody else to love them. Right. And it's less about the actual product than it is about how they're being presented with it. Right. And so playing the long game is, is uh, tell me more what you mean by that and kind of weave that into uh, the jazz. <laughs> no, yeah. Or whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> Absolutely. So like I mentioned, the, the number one error that I see small businesses in general, not just photographers make is giving up on their marketing. It's kind of, um, and, and social media has made us a little bit lazy because people feel like if they post a couple times a week, that's their marketing. That's not really a marketing plan. That might be a notch you can check off, but it's not a marketing plan. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to build this foundation of things of, of, ways to reach people that are efficient so that you can continue to do them when you're busy mm -hmm. and a natural part of your workflow. And then you keep layering things on top of those that are more exciting and more um, eye-catching. 
I always say that marketing is just a matter of connection. Mm. People get, when they're starting their businesses, you feel weird trying to make a sale or trying to market yourself to people because it doesn't feel natural yet. But all you're really doing is trying to make a connection. So you're putting yourself out there and allowing them to find parts of you that they, that reaches them, that they connect with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The no like and trust factor that has been probably taught in in business and sales classes since I don't know if somebody was trying to sell the first wheel, <laughs> you know, and the, or not the first one, but the second one from a different business. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Ugo makes a great wheel, but hey, that new kid um, Thor, <laughs> he, I like him. <laughs> so, what is a second? unconventional marketing idea because you just you just blew my mind with the Instagram <laughs> spots and of Isn't course that now, cool? it it's is. a lot of fun too because you can kind of get your wheels you know as a baby photographer my husband jokes with me that he can't take me into a store without me trying to find something to put, put a baby in <laughs> or, <a> blanket <laughs> or something like that and uh -huh. it's kind of the same with marketing if you train yourself to be on the lookout for things that grab your attention, you can always parlay that into a, a way that relates to your brand and your business. Um, for a second unconventional marketing technique, it's kind of funny um, because 20 years ago, this was a norm, but we stopped getting tangible mail. Yeah, We used to have a mailbox full of mail with ads and bills, everything came in the mail. And now we might get a coupon or two. And a lot of days we don't get anything because everything is digital. Mm -hmm. So to send tangible mail now is unconventional. It has come back around full circle. Um, this was one of my first marketing campaigns that had an actual tangible return immediately. I spent $40 on postcards. I sent out 20 postcards and made about $40,000 off of those cards one Ooh. fall. And this was, gosh, eight years ago. So I was like, hot dog. All I have to do <laughs> is send a postcard of their baby to them. And they're going to book another session. 18 of those 20 postcards had a direct return. And as we've mentioned already a few times on marketing, it's hard to see that immediate return. So that was really exciting. But what happened the next year when I sent those cards out to the same people, they were used to it. It was mm. a conventional marketing technique. They expect them now. So I have to change up what's on the card or who's getting the card for it to surprise them. So while those are a foundational part of my marketing plan every year now, I have to be very cognizant of who they're going to and what I have on them to catch any attention. So the 20 people were people from your mailing list then? Yes. I but picked um, for that because it was kind of experimental. So I picked my top 20 clients from that year that I wanted to see return for whatever a variety of reasons. Either they were good spenders or they were ready for another milestone. Their babies were reaching a milestone that I felt like might connect for them. Mm -hmm. Or I just had fun working with them. They had a particularly photogenic child or, you know, I had an idea that I wanted to use anything like that. Something that I was excited about. Mm -hmm. and, and what did you, sorry to interrupt, what did you offer them? Or I'll just let you explain it. There was me. no offer. And that was kind of the beauty of it is I have 
twice in my 13 years done any sort of a discount. And this wasn't one of them. This was just reaching out saying, Hey, I miss you. Um, you know, if they've got a birthday coming up or the fall leaves are going to be really pretty this year. Um, but there was no discount on those cards. Now this year, I did a discount. This is the second time I've done a discount because in quarantine, I changed my pricing and the pricing did increase. So as an introductory thing for some of my best clients, I sent out these postcards to try and retain some of those clients that you're bound to lose when you have a price increase. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to bring them in to see some of these new products and things like that. And sometimes my um, return clients are more hesitant to come for a pre-session consultation because they feel like we know each other. There's not a lot to say, nothing new. Um, and I don't want to impose on them. So this is a way to get them in there and then they can see my tangible products during this session or during the ordering session and have an opportunity to fall in love with them the way I did. So this was a postcard that invited them or gave them a bonus or? It was just kind of a reminder that one was. Now this year I did a discount um, okay. that was directly resulting from my price increase. This is also only the second time I've raised my prices. <laughs> okay, Allie, well, we should talk about that. <laughs> yes. So, well, actually, I'll just throw it out there is one of the best pieces of advice that I got um, early on in my career is the way to get my prices to be, you know, a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> is to raise your prices uh, about 15, 10 to 15% every six months or so, if I'm as busy as I want to be. Mm -hmm. So what it does is you do work a little less, but you make the same money and you have a little more time to spend on marketing or, uh, you know, developing new styles or backgrounds or, or something like that. So that mm -hmm. you're, then you start attracting and filling up your calendar again. And so then like when you feel like, yeah, this is, this is going, this is rocking and rolling. Then you just go up that 10 to 15% again. And then over time, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden over time, but little, <laughs> little by little, you've got a base of, of clients that you're attracting at a high price point. So you're mm -hmm. never making a big dramatic shift. It's just a, it's a little step up, step up, step up. And, uh, I use that in my wedding business and um, I've used this in the portraits as well. And um, so just throwing that out to you, Miss Allie. <laughs> I, know, I know. And I'll tell you what, so this pricing increase has been on my mind for at least three years, maybe even four, because it's such a task to update my product. Um, my product offerings and my welcome packets and all of that. So what I have done is have a dramatic increase every <laughs> six years. And yeah. a lot of times at the start of that, it'll, I'll go a little past my comfort zone and price it a little bit higher than I'm comfortable with, mm -hmm. with the intention that I can give a little bit of a discount and still walk away feeling like a sustainable business and actually being a sustainable business. Um, and it's scary. You know, I, and I tell people in my, when I have speaking opportunities, I tell people all the time, like when you're busy, that's the time to raise your prices. And 
it's scary when you're the one facing that conversation with past clients and pulling the trigger on the actual pricing booklet and everything, but every single time it is all worth it. Mm -hmm. And it was scary this year doing that. It's such a volatile 2020. We don't know what's going to happen. Kind of a, a thing. Um, but I am very, very grateful. It's been a huge blessing. Um, and obviously it's worked for you. Um, the, the method of a little at a time, it's like the boiling a frog. Yes. You put them in cold <laughs> water because Ali, I've never had any returning client go, wow, your prices have changed a lot unless, uh -huh. unless it's been 10 years or so yes. because yes. going up 10%, 15%, they don't even know it. They don't even feel it. Sure. Sure. But and I think that's something that I, I going forward am going to consider every year at least. Um, but with this one, I wanted to change my product offerings too. So I felt like this sure. was a good time to just completely readjust because I've got some new products that I'm just yeah. madly in love with. And they have really, the clients have been really receptive to that too. Partly, I think because I'm so excited, genuinely excited about them. Mm -hmm. And that's a great way to get um, longtime clients in mm -hmm. again as new product. Now, the, and the addressing the other um, part about redoing all your brochures and everything. So when I uh, realized the wisdom of, of this, you know, go up a percentage, the materials I have that I give clients, the pricing part uh, can be reprinted every six uh -huh. months for not very much money. So it, I have a packet and the page okay in the packet, uh, you know, they're all loose, um, loose things. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I was saying? Sure. Yeah. It, it's, loose not, sheet. it's not a booklet. It's a packet with a ribbon. And so the sheet that has pricing, I can change in my computer and, and print it out whenever I want to. Uh -huh. um, if, if I invested a lot in something um, nice, I would not print a thousand. I would mm -hmm. just know that, uh, every year I was going to print it again. So um, anyway, the lots of um, either one works. I just think about all the people who haven't raised their prices in forever. Oh yeah. And you know, that's funny. I um, I'm sorry to talk over you. I hired a photographer for the first time in 20 years um, because I'm a little bit of a control freak. So I do all of my own photos for my family and my kids and everything. And I hired a photographer to shoot the opening of my uh, gallery exhibition in August because I wanted to be able to focus on the families. It was a very emotional night mm -hmm. and I'm blown. I was blown away by two things, how extremely low priced the photographers were and how hard it was to get people to respond to me. Mm, it's, it just blows my mind. I'm very type A and respond immediately. Everything comes to my phone and I have to get those responses out immediately. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, you just kind of assume everybody does things like you do. Right. Yeah. I've many times I've booked a session and they've said, you're the only one that called us back. And we That's reached out crazy. to, you know, five or six different people. And um, yeah, that, so unconventional marketing hack number three <laughs> is be professional. <laughs> yes. Who knew? Who knew that was unconventional? Yeah. Respond <laughs> to people. Show up when you say you will. Yeah. Um, so, so, wow. Yeah. It is interesting when, when we put ourselves 
in the shoes of our clients um, mm -hmm. what we can learn. So do you have a third unconventional marketing idea for us? I do. And it kind of goes along with what we were talking about. We've got our welcome packets and um, that kind of a thing. This year, if 2020 has done anything for us, it has opened uh, the mind of the general public to different ways of communication. And Zoom, you know, a year ago, how many people knew about Zoom <laughs> compared yeah. to right now? I mean. I can't even imagine how they've kept up with that. It's really impressive, right. honestly. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I want to interrupt one second. Okay. But it's sure. just a, it's a sad story. Somebody told me March fifteenth buy some Zoom stock. Oh no! And by March twenty fifth, you couldn't anymore. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to buy stock. I've been using Zoom um, for years with my coaching and now my uh -huh. podcast, so I knew the power of it <laughs> but I, don't, I didn't know how to buy a specific stock because if i'd have put 500 bucks in it it'd probably be worth oh, yeah. 10 grand by now oh gosh anyway. yeah i didn't even know they were a public company yeah i also got that same tip on it used to be um price club that's now costco uh -huh. uh, but I, i'm just i do you know mutual fund kind of stocks for retirement but i don't uh -huh. play the stock market so anyway back to <laughs> <laughs> okay so zoom so how do yes. you use that well what um what i'm zeroing in on now is the possibilities for video marketing not only are people now using zoom for consultations to encourage social distancing ordering sessions that kind of a thing but create a welcome packet that's a video form and have both options available to people. So you can use that as social media video marketing, and you can also use that as something you send to people. Some people are visual and they wanna just sit back and have it read to them or told to them, but it also gives you a chance to showcase your personality and offer that other type of connection to um, one of the things that I preach about in every marketing class that I do is to take advantage of all five senses when you have that chance and video allows you to connect on a personality level visually with your audience. So create a welcome packet spliced with video. Um, that started out as kind of a, you know, in Harry Potter where they have the moving, <laughs> the moving paintings. Uh-huh create that in, um, in social media and in email marketing and anything that you have a chance to be something a little different mm -hmm. than the typical ad is always going to get a second look. And sometimes that split second is all you need to draw people in. And that has been particularly successful with my Santa experience. Um, to have any kind of movement within my Santa ads is always eye-catching and gets a bigger response than a, than a still image. Sure. And Facebook, um, I don't really know how to have communication on Instagram other than pictures. Maybe that'll be another class. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I should get like the Instagram guru on here to yes. oh, so I can learn more. <laughs> I tangled that up. I should get the Instagram guru on here so I can learn more about that. <laughs> yes. Um, but what I know about Facebook is it loves videos more than just absolutely posts. It loves posts with a picture, but more than posts with a picture, it loves video and it'll be seen by more people. 
Absolutely. And if you name your video with some keywords, crawlers for Facebook and Google will both pick that up a lot more easily than generic names. So tag that title of your video as much as you can. Wow. Okay. You just blew my mind again. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have like one more that you'd be like, oh my gosh, I wish I had mentioned this. Oh, let me, let me grab my notes here. See what else I've got. Um, Cause that's the fun thing about it is that it's always different. Um, I'll tell you one thing kind of just that's on my mind. It's not hugely unconventional, but I think it's overlooked a lot is to have an exhibition and it doesn't have to be anything over the top, you know, this last one that I did was a huge major exhibition that involved 20 families all Mm. over the country in four years, but you can do a smaller exhibition and it just opens you up to a different level of clientele to people who are actually interested in art and photographs as art. Mm -hmm. And they might come in more interested in just one epic piece of wall art rather than the newborn family that wants a hundred images on digital file. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a different clientele, but it's, it's a very rewarding place to find a clientele. Well, I love that because um, in the higher end luxury portrait market, um, positioning ourselves as artists to me is, is key to make Absolutely. that work. So um, I, I haven't in a while, but uh, over many years, I have entered in our state, not state, our local county fair and won awards and had people say, oh, I look for your photographs every year. Sometimes they Uh are client photographs if they have, uh, PPA calls it salon quality, Uh uh, where it's something people would enjoy even if it's not someone they love. And sometimes it's my personal work. So it gives a little of that Lucy is an artist, not just you know, a baby photographer. And so having your own exhibit, that's a a really great idea. Even if it's, you find a coffee shop, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That puts things up a month at a time and you have an opening and you invite the people who you put your spot in front of their stores, you know, as guests and Yeah. So, yeah. And you create this web of network where everybody's bringing their own people and you can cross market and you're not, it's not all on you to bring in people, you know, because you've already made that connection, but it gives you the opportunity. You can even find another artist. I live in a very art friendly town where we're all weirdos here. (laughs) Uh So you can find somebody that has a different medium or a different perspective and draw from each other's crowds. So the pressure's off a little bit because if you're if you have a solo show right before you're going, is anybody <laughs> gonna show up right. there by myself all night? Here comes your mom. That's right. Yeah. There's your neighbor. That's There's why four- I had so many kids so that I'm not alone at my <laughs> four of your photographer friends show up. Yes. You're like, thank you for coming. <laughs> So networking so that you expand. um, Yeah. And you can kind of, you can trade your audiences for the night and, and have that opportunity to even grab one or two clients out of that is tremendous. Right. You can have welcome packets that include little PRs for the, the uh, friends of yours that you network with. 
Yes. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff. Well, this is so awesome. And I, I can see how when we just kind of shake our brains up a little <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, try some things, some of them are tried and true. Some of them are completely outside of the box. Um, it sounds like you also layer, you're not just doing absolutely one thing. So anything else on that topic? And then I have a burning question for you. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. How the heck do you have a successful thriving business with six children? <laughs> well, I get that question a lot and they are honestly, um, it's so fulfilling. We have, my oldest is 15 and my youngest is four now, but she's still my tiny baby. Uh -huh. <laughs> and they're a huge part of my business. I find it really fulfilling to have them see me work and see the process of a small business and all the work that they see the behind the scenes stuff too. They see the late nights and um, the, the blood, sweat and tears that go into making a business work. And I think that's important for them as you know developing tiny adults uh -huh. <laughs> to see that work go into it and they see how much of my heart is in this and they know too that i'm doing this for them to be able to help support them and um we're homeschoolers too so uh this has been a learning opportunity for them to consider whether or not they want to be small business owners this year might have affected that <laughs> that hope somewhat yeah <laughs> uh, we have gotten to there's a big learning curve in the beginning you know when when all the kids were little and we were trying to figure out how to balance life and we're in a really good place right now where it just works it just flows very naturally and we certainly all have our days where it doesn't feel like it flows and, you know, you want to go to bed, but you've got a pile of editing or this or that happening. But um, the, the pros far outweigh the cons and they, they like to help see the process and help where they can. They're excellent light holders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Voice activated light stands. That's right. <laughs> But how, like, how do you actually, do you have nannies that come in? Do you, are you full-time or part-time in your business? I'm full-time, a hundred percent. I do most of my work from home. Obviously I shoot in the studio, um, but my husband also works from home mm. and that has been a huge blessing. That's just been the last couple of years though. So we were in, um, we have kind of an unconventional schedule. Uh, I'm like, I mentioned I'm type a, so we are in a very much a routine, but we are adaptable to each other's needs and moods and that kind of a thing. Um, the studio, having a physical location for the studio is a big help. And I feel like that saves me a lot of time, but over the years I've gotten a tremendously efficient at my workflow and that allows me to have the time to be mom first. Mm -hmm. and to be able to have a successful business in the meantime. Mm. So no help, no nan, he's no. No, actually my kids have never stayed with a babysitter. Uh, <laughs> my mom used to babysit and we, my mom passed in 2018. Mm. And since that we have not had um, a babysitter or anything. My husband works from home, which is a big help. And that actually came up about later that year. 
so that timing was a huge blessing. So you could just start a whole uh, career educating the now millions and millions of suddenly stay at home, yeah. <laughs> uh, homeschool or homeschool. <laughs> yes. You could probably create an, a big career just teaching people how the heck you make that I, You know, my heart goes out to all the forced homeschoolers this year because that's a totally different ball game than choosing it. Right. So my heart for sure goes out to everybody trying to find that balance. And yeah. even when you choose it, there's a big learning curve. So yeah. hang yeah. in there, everybody. There. <laughs> so I have um, two questions okay. um, to wrap up here. So how do we get in touch with you? Okay, so you can find me. Uh, my, my portrait work is rootsandwingsphotography.com. My speaking work is at, and my exhibition work is at allyelliot.com. You can find me on Instagram or YouTube at Mrs. Allie Elliot. So that's M-R-S-A-L-Y-E-L-L-I-O-T-T. Okay. I remembered something else I wanted to mention. You were talking about YouTube uh -huh. and, um, and videos and such. And you may or may not know this, but having a spot before a YouTube video is inexpensive. You know how you get those little one minute ads uh -huh. beforehand? That is a new unconventional marketing that people are using. Absolutely. I have um, logged in. I wanted to uh, like learn something about my, my new Sony mirrorless. And so I was starting to watch a video and there was a commercial for uh, a photography teacher. And uh -huh. so I'm not sure if you can target, I bet you can, you can target your community with that, but um, yeah. that's a new unconventional thing. I, what was it? Um, I have a big new TV and it's smarter than the one before. <laughs> and I discovered the joy of watching uh, YouTube videos on my television. Yeah. And there was PPA had a commercial before what I was going to watch. And I was watching uh, Laurel and Hardy <laughs> videos, <laughs> but it, it was a whole PPA. So um, yeah. Anyway, so that's another. Yeah, little... it's, it's very cool the way, because our sign-ins all work through each other. Oftentimes we're signed into Google and YouTube and Facebook and they're all connected. So the things that we're interested in on one platform can, we can be reached through other platforms. Mm -hmm. So that little network is really fascinating. Once you can tap into your core people, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was still, um, doing hundred percent, uh, photography instead of coaching. So I'd be looking for YouTube videos that moms would be logging into, you know, how to put on a diaper. What do you do to entertain your children on a Saturday? I don't know whoever's doing YouTube. And I would buy <laughs> a little ad spot for my local community about my photography. So yeah, lots Absolutely. of good stuff. Anyway. Okay. So that was the first question was about how to get in touch with you. Mm -hmm. And so the second is, is there any last something that you want to make sure that people take away from our conversation today? Okay, I've got two. And one is just kind of reiterating 
what I've probably said a dozen times today is to, to don't give up, keep marketing, keep doing, even if you feel like nothing's really sinking in, keep doing it and you'll play the long game. And that's what counts for sustainability in your business. All right. So the second thing that I want people to remember marketing wise is try not to pigeonhole yourself by region. I am consistently blown away by how far people will come if they feel a connection to you or your business. They will. I have um, some return clients that come from Saudi Arabia because we've made such a connection. Wow. And it's not because I'm the best photographer in the world. It's because we connected mm-hmm. and they're willing and capable of making that trip for their newborn, their newborns, which just, it's blows my mind. Yeah. I had someone um, fly me to DC from San Diego. Um, So I know what you mean. We stayed in touch. And when they moved, I said, you know, I'm happy to travel and, um, but I'm not taking out ads in DC. You're probably not advertising in Saudi Arabia. Right. No, but once you have that connection there, be open to um, and, and be prepared for those kinds of questions. Like, will they come to you? Will you go to them? Um, and be prepared with your answer and know what, what works best for your family. Right. Right. Well, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I love this conversation and getting to know you and, um, thank you for having me. This has been really fun. Uh, same for me. Sadly, we won't be seeing each other at PPA conventions this year. I know, I'm so heartbroken. (sighs) I get it. I get it. I'm not mad, but I'm sad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we'll for sure see each other somewhere, somehow, and stay in touch. So thanks again, Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. And please, everybody, come see me on YouTube and on Instagram, because I'm, I'm a brand new baby on both of those. Ah, <laughs> so, so look for the low numbers. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ellie. And maybe we'll have you on another time. Okay. I'll look forward to it. Thanks. Thanks Bye. a lot. Bye-bye. So that was fun. And I don't know about you, but I have a lot of great new ideas. One thing I want to remind you of is that I have a private group called The Profitable Photographer. I would love for you to participate and especially keep your eye out for an invitation to be a podcast guest where I will coach you specifically on sales or marketing around people, photography, portraits, and weddings, ideally. That, that is my zone of experience. Um, but if you wanted to apply right away, you can just send an email to Lucy with an I at lucydumas.com. So not Lucy with an I where you spell that out. <laughs> um, and so a little quick, quick wrap up uh, from my notes. So Ali shared a lot of ideas about unconventional marketing, about doing things out of the box. Sure, there's normal things we need to do, but uh, we can always be on the lookout for other ways to be seen. And she said that what can happen when we do that is instead of people needing seven times or 27 times of hearing about us before they engage, it can shorten that quite a bit. Um, So number one was about Instagram spots. I've never heard of that, but I guess they're little floor mats that you can make up, put on a sidewalk, and the people that love those things. They go find them and they take pictures of themselves with it and tag you. Probably more feet than faces, but who knows? And she talked about playing the long game. 
not giving up, um, and the importance of having a plan. We need to have efficient, layered marketing plans because marketing is all a matter of making connections. We talked about the know, like, and trust factor. Um, Number two is that mail, good old-fashioned snail mail is out of the box now for most people. So if you keep a really good um, contact list, you can mail to your existing clients and there's other ways that you can um, build. This is just something for me here is if you build an audience, you can get an email list of people that have opted in and given you also their addresses so that you can have a mailing campaign. She talked about number three, the power of video marketing. And you can make videos on Zoom. And by the way, it's only like 15 bucks a month to have a Zoom account. So you can use it in a lot of different ways, but you can make it part of your welcome packet. You can have a video welcome packet. Um, Number four is that when you have a video or any post, but especially video, put some keywords in that are going to help it get found. Number five, we didn't talk much about this, but she talked about taking advantage of all five senses. And number six was having exhibits. And it doesn't have to be like some big deal that takes you four years to plan. It could be a local coffee shop. It could be another um, person's place of business. You could use it as networking and um, lots of potentials to elevate yourself as an artist as well as getting people to uh, see what you do, know, like, and trust, all that good stuff. Then I ask her how the heck she keeps a business going for 13 years with six children, full-time for both. And she said the kids are a big part of the business. They, they are not like, like locked in a, in a room up <laughs> at the top of the stairs, um, but they watch how she runs the business uh, they hold life. They, you know, they support her, and that the core is that she she's become very efficient with her workflow, so that she can always be the mom first. And then her last little so her last word is this: don't give up. Marketing is a long game, so you want to have things in place that you can repeat that are easy, and then also be looking for those unconventional ideas that can really help build those know, like, and trust factors. So that's it for today. And of course, as I always say, if you have anything you want to ask me, you want to get in touch, uh, you can email me, you can Facebook message me, the, the Lucy Dumas Facebook, not the business Facebook page is the easiest way for me to see those and have a super successful marketing week. Until next time. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.